We have been in John's writings for most of Advent, and we continue that trend today in his first letter, the fourth chapter. I hope you'll turn with me in your ESV Bible or find your bulletin insert. We'll use this together as a unison reading. 1 John 4, beginning to read at verse 7 and reading through verse 12. Let us read the Word of God together. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, And his love is perfected in us. Well, if you've looked at the calendar today, you know that Christmas is only five days away, which means there are only four days left to buy whatever other gifts you need to give to family and friends. And that also means there are only four days left to contemplate, to reflect upon the kind of responses you will make for the gifts you receive. You know, if you read the so-called experts, they'll tell you that there are two words that are always appropriate for any gift. Those two words being, thank you. But what about when you receive some gift that's about as useless as an inflatable dartboard. What do you say then? I mean, you know, we need to be truthful with one another. What kind of response should you really have? Well, one thing that's truthful and always appropriate is to say you shouldn't have. (laughs) And then depending on what gift this really is, you might need to embellish that a little bit and say, you really shouldn't have. (laughs) Or maybe you heard about the middle schooler who received a size 12 shirt from his grandmother for Christmas. It was a great color for him. The trouble is he wore a size 14, so in his thank you note, he said, Dear Grandma, thanks for the shirt. I'd write more, but I'm all choked up. (laughs) Of course, if it's something really atrocious... You can always try these words, and you sort of have to say them with enthusiasm. I can't believe it. Or you could say, thanks, but I can't take this. You deserve this more than I do. (laughs) Which is what you might be thinking about that time. And while I'm being somewhat facetious, I'm not totally 
in the sense that John gives us a very practical response to this wonderful gift that all of creation has received from God, this gift we call Christmas, this gift of His only Son into the world. And he gives us this practical response when he says in verse 11, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As Eric Severide once put it, Christmas is a necessity. There has to be at least one day of the year to remind us that we're here for something else besides ourselves. Now, he said those words several years ago. But that sort of describes our society today, doesn't it? That it's all about us. And the reason we can say that is, do you know what the, the, the gift of the year was in 2014, according to a Bloomberg article? The selfie stick. Does everybody know what a selfie stick is? (laughs) More than 100,000 sold in last December alone. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of selfie sticks, which are sort of a a commentary on our society and the fact that it, it really is all about us. And we could say, well, that's just the world out there outside of the church, but it's also sort of how the church is to some extent, that it's all about us. And one reason that's true is not the only reason, but one reason that's true is because of lawsuits. You know, Christians now sue one another. Christian neighbors sue their neighbors who are also Christians. We see Christian professors suing the administrations of supposedly Christian schools. Our own Erskine College had one of those lawsuits not too long ago. The administration's position was upheld by the courts, but it still took lots of time and money and placed the emphasis somewhere other than where the emphasis needed to be. You've all heard of malpractice insurance for doctors, but surely you know there's malcounseling insurance for pastors. That's because church members sue their pastors for the advice they receive. And I'm just not making this up. You can read our insurance agreement. It's in there. Philip and I are covered. <laughs> I had to read it as soon as Philip got around here. I wanted to make sure. Just having a little fun at his expense. In other words, even though 1 Corinthians 6 tells Christians to come to an agreement through the church and not through the pagan courts that were practicing in Paul's day and time, we Christians have jumped on the lawsuit bandwagon to some extent because it's it's all about us. Now, I know we need the law, even as Christians, but the, 
the way we go about it, our attitude to get what's coming to us is really what is anti-Christian here. Because when people get what they deserve, they're robbed of the joy of gratitude. Instead of being thankful, they're either resentful that they didn't get more, or they're arrogant because they got their own way. And joy is absent in that whole process. Think instead about what the tenor of Scripture teaches over and over in lots of different ways, lots of different verses. What does Scripture teach? Count others better than yourselves. He who would be greatest of all would be least of all. When required to walk a mile, walk an extra mile. We bless those who curse us. We pray for our enemies. We love our neighbors as ourselves. This kind of lifestyle brings the joy of gratitude. This receiving what we don't deserve because we've given in love. And when that happens, humility replaces pride. A thankful spirit displaces arrogance. And our rights are much less important than the healed relationship that we're enjoying once again. And all of this comes simply because someone received what wasn't deserved. which sort of sounds like the gift of Christmas, doesn't it? When this world received what it didn't deserve. And in our text, John speaks of this love and what God has done for us in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. At the end of verse 8, he tells us that God is love. And then in verse 10 he writes, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That's a big kind of jargon word right there that really means, I think we could say, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Notice what he says here. In this is love, not not that we have loved God. God, but that He loved us. That is to say, we received a radically abundant gift of grace and love through Jesus, a gift that we in no way deserved. But God actually gave up His rights in order that there might be a a reconciled relationship between Him and His creation. And we have been and continue to be on the receiving end of that relationship. We're the ones who are receiving what we do not deserve. And we can understand this tremendous gift of grace because it's been given unto us through none other than Jesus of Nazareth the Son of the living God, this man who was fully man and fully God at the same time. In other words, John is saying that we can know God is love because He's initiated and shown us that love through Jesus. 
This one who was willing to give up his rightful place. This one who was willing to come to this earth and and live a perfect life and, and yielded up that life on the cross for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the world. It's the, it's the good news of the gospel. And not only do we know that He's loved because of Christ, but we can understand how He is loved through this life, this perfect life lived, and through this death, and through the subsequent resurrection, the power of God that raised Him on the third day. You see, God has loved us totally and to the utmost because He's given us not just any gift, but the ultimate gift, His only Son. And this Son lived on this earth, was a real man with temptations and and trials and troubles like we all face each and every day. But as Paul would say, the great thing about this gift of Jesus into the world is that God shows His love for us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And thus we can see how unconditional God's love really is. But do we understand that? You see, the point is that God has every right to sue again and again and again, and instead He turns the other cheek and offers us grace and mercy and peace. Peace not as the world gives do I give to you, said Jesus. Peace through Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Receiving this kind of unconditional love should should do something to us. John puts it this way, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That is to say, this perfect gift that God has given us should have a profound effect upon us. If God has loved us in such a grace-filled, accepting way, we ought to love one another in the same way. And therefore we see our, our motivation for carrying out truly what is truly a Christ-like life because of the tremendous love that's first come our way. We love because He first loved us. And we don't simply love these others just when they love us. We have to take the initiative, because that's what God did. This is one of the points Jesus makes to that lawyer that day when uh, Jesus told him the parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember the lawyer was pushing him, and, and he said, "'Who is my neighbor?' And Jesus told that parable to answer that question. And at the end of the telling of the parable, Jesus turns it around on the lawyer and says, Who proved neighbor to the man who fell among the thieves? Was it the priest? Was it the Levite? Or was it the Samaritan? As if to say, Who took the initiative and loved unconditionally in the same way in which God your Father has loved you? Many years ago, an American journalist in China watched a nun cleaning the gangrenous sores of wounded soldiers 
in a hospital and he sort of offhandedly said to her, you know, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And as she kept working, she said, neither would I. Only the love of God for us is the proper motivation for the Christ-like life. Only the love of God in Jesus helps us to live consistently a lifestyle of love for others. Anything else is simply too inadequate for the task at hand. And this means that if we're failing at loving others as ourselves, or if we find it hard to accomplish, or if we don't want to do it at all, then we really don't understand what God has done for us in this perfect gift of Christmas in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because not only has God given us this gift, His love in Christ, but He's also given us the gift of forgiveness through this deliverance that is possible, this deliverance from our sins through Jesus, who is the atoning sacrifice for those sins. You see, a great sacrifice was made, and sometimes we don't really realize how great that sacrifice really is. But these words from Jürgen Moltmann, who's a German theologian mainly working in the 20th century, he has a book called The Crucified God. And this is what he says. God not only acted in the crucifixion of Jesus or, or sorrowfully allowed it to happen, but, but was Himself active with His own being in the dying Jesus and suffered with Him. This means that He has made Himself visible in the cross of Christ. And as it were, says to mankind, Here I am. This means that God suffered in Jesus. God died in Jesus for us. He took upon Himself the unforgivable sin and the guilt for which there is no atonement, together with the rejection and anger that cannot be turned away so that in Christ we might become righteous. And he says, taken to its final consequence, that means that God died that we might live. That's what the gift of Christmas is all about. Jesus came to die. But can you imagine the amount of love it would take to be God Almighty, to be the, the creator, the ruler of the universe, everything we can see and everything we can't see, light years away from us, and then take yourself away from your rightful place and limit yourself to flesh and, and die for those you had created. This, this is who God is. This is what He has done. He has such an instinctive and saving love because that's who He is. God is love. And that's why... He saves. 
I once read a story about an older gentleman who every morning would sit under a large tree on the bank of the Ganges River and just sort of let the new day flood in upon him. And on that particular day, as he was sitting there, he saw this scorpion floating along in the water helplessly. And he reached out to save it. And the scorpion stung him. And his hand was throbbing, and yet he looked down at that scorpion. It was still floating helplessly in the water. And he put his hand down again. And he was stung again, that time so badly that his hand began to swell and it was bloody. And as he was thinking about how terribly in pain his hand was, all of that was interrupted by these words from a man who had watched this entire spectacle from a few yards away. And he said, oh man, what in the world is the, is the matter with you? Only a fool would risk his life for the sake of an evil, ugly creature. Haven't you lived long enough to know you could end up dead trying to save that ungrateful scorpion? You know, if you think about Jesus' hands on the cross, they would have been swollen they would have been bloody. This old man said to the fellow who interrupted his pain, he said, my friend, just because it's a scorpion's nature to sting, that doesn't change my nature to love or to save. That's the kind of God we have. A God who reaches out to us even though we sting Him over and over and over again. It does not change His nature to love or to save. And if you ever get to a point in your life where you don't believe that, all you have to do is think about Christmas. It's that simple. God has given the perfect gift in Jesus Christ. The question is, what will we do with that gift? Or maybe even a better question is, what will that gift do to us? John said, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. May God bless us to that end, to His honor and glory. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.